Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. Thursday edition is here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here. Trey Wallace will be with us in 20 minutes from Outkick.com. We'll talk SEC headlines with Trey. And Armando Salguero in hour number two as we go around the NFL with the news, notes, and headlines from OutKick. Jim Tolman, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am ready to go. We are one week away from real big-time college football weekend kicking off, but we are two days away from some games where the scores will count, and we're starting to get some preseason action now. We're players that count. We're actually going to start some football games. Paul, how are you? And we'll see about some of that lag time on Amazon tonight. Um, well, that's right. That we've talked about. I'm well, thanks. Uh, yeah, Brady's playing. Brady's going to play. Well, or I should say Todd Bowles said anyone who is healthy is playing in the final preseason game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You guys surprised? I am um, not surprised that Brady would be the type that would elect to play to get in a little bit of a rhythm coming off of a break that he had, what, 11 days I think he was gone when they totaled it up. Um, that part does not surprise me. It's just it's a fascinating case study across the league to see star quarterbacks that have elected to play in preseason games and other teams that haven't even thought about playing a starting quarterback in, in a game. I, I think it's I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion on doing it or not. I think it's just interesting to see those who play and those who don't and coaches who would like to play guys and coaches who don't. I'm not surprised either way anymore. Week three, you got a long break here, two weeks for everybody at least, more than that for the team. teams playing tonight. And uh, there are two schools of thought, and um, people are devotees of, of, of one or the other. Um, but if somebody gets hurt, you get second guessed, you know, a, yeah, a I, lot more so than if you start sluggishly and people think, well, you should have played, played as, more. The as Jerry Maguire told Rod Tidwell, if you get hurt, you get zero. These teams get zero out of starters if they get hurt. But I also look at it and say, these guys are playing professional football for a living and they're not going out there thinking about getting hurt and they're not, not concerned with that. Well, so... Patrick Mahomes clearly wants to get in rhythm with his offense. And, and Andy Reid wants that too, clearly. Much of which is new. I mean, he's playing into the second quarter in week two. Uh, Chiefs play this evening uh, against the Packers, and we'll see how much starters play in, in that game. But So I understand why uh, a quarterback may want to go in for a quarter and a half or whatever it is. But what does three – like when, when I, you look around and you see uh, Josh Allen, three for three passing – what does that do for a player going into the regular season three weeks from now? I, I don't know. To me, there's no value in putting a guy out there for a series. Well, I don't think 
I don't think they go in knowing that he's only going to throw three passes, right? I mean, the but you don't know how well, the they know series gonna is going to unfold. For a series, though. Um, right. You don't know how the series is going to fold, but yeah, but I mean, it could go in and throw a seventy-five yard touchdown pass on the first first play. You don't know how the game's going to unfold or what that series is going to look like. So, you know, it could be a twelve-play series, which is a lot more substantial than a one-play series. So I don't think you could prejudge it based on that. But I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, if, if you're going to do it, do two series. Uh, you know, I would say minimally. Um, because you you want to be on the field a little bit longer. Two, three and outs don't amount to much either. I don't see the value in it. I don't know the value, uh, but I'll also defer and say if they're doing it, there's a reason. I don't think it's just a blind, we're going to have them throw three passes because. I think it's in, in unison. We're talking about some stud QBs here and some legitimate coaches across the league. A- Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes being one of the pairs, right? So... I just don't think these guys would do it if they didn't feel like there was some value in doing it. Whether it be just a pregame routine leading into actually taking snaps, even if only for a series and a game, whatever it is, there's a reason they're doing it. Only they could explain it. Because when we watch it and see three passes, Hutton, you're right, it's fair to pose the question, well, what the heck does that matter in the grand scheme of things? But there has to be some value to it if they're agreeing to do it. And, and I make no mistake about it. This is happening because these quarterbacks are wanting to do it. They're not being forced out there by their coach saying, you must start and play one series in this game. They're doing it because they're talking with their coach, yeah. and they're electing to go out there and play a little bit. And they've definitely got a rationale for it. And, um, you know, again, uh, pre- presuming nobody gets hurt, provided nobody gets hurt, and uh, injury avoidance is part of the quarterback's job that we've discussed about, uh, about what their obligations are and what you expect from them in the regular season. Um, you know, two series, provided you've got your, your starting offensive line there and, and your timing down. You know, I, I think it's a, a rarity that we're going to see somebody get hurt, but it, it happens. Well, maybe this is punishment for Brady has to play the preseason game because he missed 11 days. Maybe that's payback. Maybe that's it. I hope that underwear line really pays <laughs> off for you, Tom, because now that you did that to us, Guess what's going to happen? You're starting pregame number three. What if he went out there and played a half? <laughs> They're like, you know what? Stay out there. Backups are coming yeah. in. The, for punishment for Tom Brady for the 11-day absence, you're going to have to play with these backups. That will not happen. They're not going to put him out there in that situation. Paul, Derrick Henry got extensive work today. Yeah, Derrick Henry, uh, yesterday and, and today, today played all the way through practice. I, I don't know if that was the case yesterday, but it's very rare uh, for him to be – in a padded practice all the way start to finish. He was knocking over some offensive players who got in his way as, as he went forward. And, and Mike Vrabel made a crack about the fullback having to open it up in front of him, Torrey Carter, to avoid a backup on 440, the, the highway that's a semicircle around Nashville here. Um, but you know you're getting close to something serious when Derrick Henry's actually out there for the bulk of a practice, for all of a practice, because it rarely happens uh, in the preseason. Well, there, there's a, a team, a great example of a team that doesn't really play the uh, quarterback or star running back in the preseason. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill said yesterday, you know, he he, uh, w- I think he said he'd like to play, but he'll see what what Vrabel's got in store for him and. Uh, you know, they're still trying to sort out the Malik Willis thing. I think the three of us wouldn't be surprised if Malik Willis got his third start. Logan Woodside, who's the incumbent number two, finally got some snaps again as the number two today at practice. 
for the first time in a long time, his snaps had been significantly reduced for them to get maximize their look at Willis. How much work did Ryan Tannehill get in preseason games a year ago? Well, he didn't start the final one. Did I he play a series? I don't remember. Did he do anything at all it's in the so preseason in, in games? Matt Barkley started remember. the final preseason game yeah, for the Titans a year look, ago. Look, I asked that because the Titans were miserable against the Cardinals in game number one a year ago. I don't think you let one game week one performance dictate your preseason game plan moving forward. But if they go out there against the Giants and lose to a terrible Giants team after not playing many people in the preseason, I, if I were a head coach, yeah, I'd reevaluate. But well, I, don't, I don't know what – Last year, I will I don't say – I don't know – hang on. I don't know what a couple snaps does two weeks before they play the Giants. Again, I would, I would reevaluate everything within my organization, and that would be one thing I'd reevaluate. Because well, there's a reason Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers – well, not Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes – Josh Allen, some of these guys want to get out there and play even for a little bit. Well, last year uh, it wasn't Tannehill in practice, but they didn't practice anybody for right. a lot. They're banged up. They, they've practiced a lot more this year. So the Arizona game, to me, I think a lot of us thought, well, this is kind of what you get for being so nonchalant about practice and having no urgency about getting anybody on the practice field. This year the Titans have practiced people. I mean – Robert Woods, in past years, if they had somebody equivalent to Robert Woods, would have not practiced at all, I feel like. And this year, Robert Woods has been out there every day, even if he doesn't do a lot of team. And he did more today. Quite frankly, had some trouble separating, I thought. But I think there, there has been a little bit of an adjustment towards working guys more in practices uh, in the preseason than last year. And I think it did bite them last year. Um, in the opener. They didn't look like a ready team for the Arizona game. I also think it was a bad matchup right out of the gate. Um, the Giants will be hard for them to be a tough matchup, but I think the Titans are more practice-ready than they will have been last year. Well, the issue last year, uh, in week one, their secondary did not show up ready to defend what we saw from Kyler Murray, and their offensive line was horrible in that game. Yeah, That, di- that changed the game. Lawan coming off an of injury was was an issue. He's he's healthy now, but they've got issues. Uh, you know, um, Nate Davis hasn't been out there for some time now. You know, so they're swapping guards at one spot where Aaron Brewer's taken over. Well, the other guard spot they're playing a third stringer right now at right guard because of two two injuries, and they're still starting through, sorting through right tackles. So they could have some of those same issues, but uh, it's it's not going to be because guys haven't practiced for rest and for for. Uh, snap count monitoring and all of that kind of stuff the number two overall pick in the nba draft is out for the season with a foot issue a foot injury chet holmgren uh injured his foot while defending lebron james on a fast break in a pro-am in seattle and he's done for the year number two overall pick this um i i think the injury's a little bit Different, but I know I think it started with uh, a foot issue and then a kneecap issue. I think also the first thing I thought was Greg Oden uh, when I saw this n- number two overall pick. Greg Oden was number one overall the year that Kevin Durant went number two overall, and w- we never really saw Greg Oden in the NBA because of just bad physical issues moving forward. I hope that's not the case for Chet Holmgren. But I'm not going to lie, that was the first thing that popped in my mind when I saw a rookie that's got physical deficiencies that we've talked about from a frame standpoint that's out for uh, for a year. Now, GM Sam Presti 
If you want the backing of your organization, take notes on how to back your guy as an organization. GM Sam Presti on Chet Holgren said, and I quote, if you asked me before the lottery that we could pick between one or you could pick number eight, or the other option is you can have Chet Holmgren, but you have to wait a year to get him, I wouldn't have even let you finish the sentence about having to wait a year to get him. I would have taken Chet Holmgren. Um, you could look at this as positive spin. Certainly it is. But that's a way to make the guy feel like, hey, we're still 100% behind you, even though you're not going to play and you're number one. Well, your thing about Odin is certainly relevant, except that he's, he's a big, heavy guy. And so I'm worried about a big, heavy guy with feet problems, f- a foot problem, more so than Holmgren, who we've talked about over and over, as being exceptionally light for a guy of his height. So it doesn't ring the same alarm bells for me because of that. When you're, when you're a heavy, heavy guy taking that pounding on the foot, I think it's a different deal. So I, I would be more optimistic about him in the long range and hoping that it's a, a one-off, though that Liz Frank is a dangerous thing for anybody. Matt Corral suffered the same sort of injury. I don't know the degree or the specifics, and that's what's knocking him out of his rookie year with the Carolina Panthers. Um, and obviously he's a more normal size human being. I, I'm surprised at how many guys play in these pro-ams in this, in this setting. Like there, there was a, it was last week, I believe that they had one. Um, and there were so many people in the gym that there was like condensation on the floor and they had to cancel a part of the game. Cause the humidity. Yeah. And so that's humid. the one people were lining up around the block to, to get yeah. in or around the gym. But you know, you've got injuries are going to happen and you know, we haven't seen this happen to this extent for some time with these guys playing in these gyms, but I would be, I would be scared with having my my rookies out there, or you know, your future of the franchise out there, doing something outside of the team facility that's, you know, more or less just a entertainment value on the off season. Yeah, it's it's you're going to play pickup and you're going to continue to play, you know, five on five in some setting during the off season, if you're a, a professional basketball player to stay in game shape and to work on game-like situations. But it is weird to me that a highly paid NBA number two overall pick and or LeBron James, right. of all people, would participate in any organized event like this outside of NBA games. It's one thing to get together with a group you trust to play pickup, to work out during the offseason as part of your job. It's something to participate in a pro-am. That's not an NBA event. That, it, it is weird to me. Coming up, Trey Wallace from Outkick.com will join us. Time to discuss SEC headlines as we turn the corner on the weekend. Vanderbilt will be playing Saturday, and then we turn the corner to the week one matchups across the Southeastern Conference. That's all straight ahead. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience, VitalifeScience.com, V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com is the website. It's where you can see more information on the great supplements at Aurora and go to the site whenever you check out Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code Outkick 360. Typical pills and capsules are not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's little left for you to benefit from. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting edge, nutritional and absorbable supplements 
encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, and more. So many options to choose from with Aurora NutriScience and VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A LifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 rolls on with Trey Wallace from Outkick.com. He covers the SEC, uh, and football season is finally here, right around the corner. Trey, hope you're doing well, man. I'm good. I, I can't believe we finally made it to college football season. It, it seems like uh, it seems like I was it was only yesterday that I was I was sitting in, in Indianapolis watching Georgia beat Alabama for the what the second time that game happened in a span of a month, and uh, and now we're here. I look forward to Vanderbilt and Hawaii at ten thirty on Saturday night. I promise you that. Isn't it weird though, Trey, that once it gets here, it feels like it's always been here. I mean, on Friday morning, it'll feel like we've had college football for a month already, and it'll have been one night of games, but it'll just feel very normal, and that's a good thing. And that is a good thing. It'll feel like you know, it just ended, you know, with, with spring football. And I think that's the thing with college football nowadays, guys. I mean, there's always something to talk about, whether that be from expansion to recruiting to spring meetings or, or media days. Like, there's always something going on, and I think that's, a, you know, um, I think that helps the game in a sense too, where it never has that dull period. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm sure Saturday morning when I wake up, you know, you, you'll get the everybody get like a little bit of goosebumps, and then you'll settle in and be like, okay, all right, let's, let's get this thing rolling. Which which program is closer to competing to the top of their of their division, Kentucky or A and M? Oh, wow, Jonathan, that was a good one. Um, I, you know what? I, I'm going to have to say Kentucky right now, like this season. Like, I, I feel like Kentucky, if they get Chris Rodriguez back, uh, hopefully maybe around that third game, it's going to be after the Florida game, it sounds like. Um, I feel like Kentucky can be more competitive with Georgia in a sense of not saying they're going to beat them, but I'm saying in, in at least the race, 
uh, for the division title. I, I think Texas A&M's got it pretty darn tough this year. You you look at you know your whether that be your Eastern Conference opponents or you look at the West. The West is going to be difficult this year. You know their their first month of the season they're going to play Miami at home at College Station. And then they're going to have to go on the road to Arlington, down the road. I get it. But you're going to be playing a really good Arkansas team, all in the span of September. So, you know, I, I really think we're going to figure out what Texas A&M is in the first month of the season. And they better get their quarterback situation right compared to Kentucky, where if they can get by Florida that first that, – I'm sorry, that second week of the season – um, they're not going to have another tough game until they have to play Ole Miss uh, the first weekend of October. You know, then they're going to play, you know, South Carolina, and, and you're going to throw Tennessee in there. But I'm just saying it, it kind of feels like trajectory-wise, at least for this season, Kentucky's got a better chance of making it to Atlanta, in my opinion, than Texas A&M If we're looking at a list of contenders and pretenders and sort of what we're discussing right now, are you ready to put A&M on a high alert of being a big-time pretender because Jimbo Fisher is yet to name a starting quarterback? And we know Jimbo Fisher asks a lot of his starting quarterbacks with checks at the line of scrimmage organizationally. There's going to be a lot on them, and I'm going to be honest, Trey, I'm getting a little bit nervous about Texas A&M delivering on their potential if their head coach, the offensive guy who's the head coach, still can't decide on a quarterback. Yeah, and I, and I and I agree with you on that. We we've seen others, other teams around the country go ahead and name their starting quarterback. I don't. You're not fooling anybody. Like you're playing Sam Houston State in the first game, so it's not a big deal to release who your starting quarterback is this week or Monday or whatnot. But the fact that we've kind of gone this long, you know, I was going back and looking at last season and how Jimbo handled that too, and he he said we're giving the reins to Haynes King. So that's what they were prepared for. So you look at it right now. I mean, we're this is it. We're we're three days until game week for Texas A&M, and they haven't named the starting quarterback yet. And, and it is worrisome because I feel like this being the Aggies' fifth season under Jimbo Fisher, the excuses are gone now. You can't make any more of these. Like you, you've got talent on this roster. You had a strong recruiting class that you brought in, and I know only a few of those guys will probably help out immediately, but you built up talent around, you know, the coaching staff that you brought in, how they've changed things up, I feel like, off the field and inside the building. Now it's time to to start competing for that trip to Atlanta, and four losses is not going to cut it in College Station, not with the amount of money that they are spending so that's what kind of throws me off a little bit about a and I, I think, Chad, preseason-wise, I think they're ranked too high. I think they're they're ranked where they are because of Jimbo Fisher and because of what people think they might be able to do. But if we're just going off numbers and what they've done in the past, coming off a four-loss season they're, they're with some pretty interesting losses, to say the least. So what gives everybody – you know, that opinion that they're going to be a world beater and, and potentially make the playoffs. I, I'm not saying they won't. I just want them to prove it in the month of September, and then we can really start having that discussion about Texas a How striking did you find Florida's team picture, and how far away are we from major programs having a one-to-one staffer-to-player ratio? Yeah, Billy Napier wasn't messing around when, when he got to Florida. Um, I know somebody – 
that um, I was talking to somebody the other day and uh, and he said you know, he works in the business and he got a call from one of you know Billy Napier's staffers down there looking to hire people. And he said, hey, man, we're, we're, we got 55 other positions to fill. You know, would you be interested in coming down here? And he was shocked by that number. Um, so you, you look at what they've done. I mean, credit to Scott Strickland, you know, in a sense, the Florida athletic director for saying, OK, you need this type of budget. You think you need all these people here that that's how you want to run it. OK, we'll, we'll see how this goes. We'll give you the money where you can go do this. Um but I feel like, it was, I mean, it's, it's a bit much uh, when you really look at it. And, you know, from what I'm told, the meetings that they have every morning, um, you know, it's, it's Billy Napier sitting at the, the king spot of the table. You've got people standing around the back rooms. You've got coaches sitting in the chairs. I mean, it's like a scene out of The Godfather. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this helps them when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to NIL, transfer portal, um, and on the field. But, man, that's a, that's a hell of a lot of coaches down there. Sure made the, uh, the old high school photo look good. Who knew that Billy Napier was the FDR of college football with his new deal, just providing jobs for all. Billy Napier, come, come one, come all. You've got a job with the Florida football program. Chicken every pot. He's, um, help, Brew McCoy he's is, helping the Florida economy. Okay? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Brew McCoy, Brew McCoy would like a job playing football for Tennessee uh, right now, but we don't know if he's going to be eligible, Trey. Great job by you getting the initial statement from USC on it, which when I read it, I'm thinking they're only telling part of the story when they're saying they're not actively stopping him from being at Tennessee. They're also not signing the piece of paperwork that would allow him to be immediately eligible. So from your reporting on this, Trey, what can you gather is the big issue that USC has with Brew McCoy going to Tennessee? And what is Tennessee doing to try to get him eligible and where do things stand right now as we're exactly seven days away from kickoff between Tennessee and Ball State? You know, I, I think the big issue lies in Chad is that at first USC had mentioned to Brew and mentioned to Tennessee that they were going to be helping out along the way when it came to this transfer. Um I can tell you, after talking with some folks in the Southeastern Conference and talking with some, some different team compliance officials and talking to folks, you know, according to sources of Tennessee, that that wasn't the case either. Like, USC was kind of dragging their feet when it came to, to, to this, you know, and I'm talking about small stuff like Chad, like, you know, sending over a piece of paperwork that they need or, you know, sending over a transcript document or whatnot. You know, they, they kind of drug their feet when it, when it came to this and, so we look at it right now, and everybody's talking about this form, this MPO form, no opportunity participation, no participation form. So really what it is is it's a document that the athletic director has on his desk that he can sign immediately, and Brew, Brew McCoy would be eligible to play. Be, if he signed it, they would have it sent over to Tennessee here in an hour, and Brew would be made probably eligible by tomorrow morning with the NCAA. But there are certain clauses in that form that if USC wanted to, they could go back and say, well, if we sign this, are we kind of lying that he was in good standard with the football team or that he was eligible during the 2021 season? Like, the, if you go back and read it, I, I understand why USC Council kind of gets involved in this thing. Um, but that was the plan. So, like, when they didn't 
help out Tennessee, and they didn't sign this or whatnot and what have you. Now USC's plan was, okay, Tennessee went to the NCAA, so now we'll start helping them out because it makes us kind of look good because we don't have to do we don't have to do much. That's what USC's thinking. We can let the NCAA handle it. So when the NCAA makes Brew McCoy eligible, USC looks good. They're like, oh, well, we did what we were supposed to. We helped out when they called. We sent over the paperwork when they called. That's what all this is. This is this is a bunch of games. And and to be honest with you, the kid could be eligible right now. I, I you know, that, that's the one thing that agitates me about a lot of this. And I'm not just talking about Brew McCoy. It's the fact that we're sitting here a week before kickoff. Uh, in college football, for some cases, two days before kickoff. And and there are players out there that are still having to wait to see if they're going to be eligible, you know, to participate. I think when enough time has passed, you know, Brew McCoy has been on Tennessee's campus for four and a half, five months now. Why is it taking to a week up till kickoff to decide if this kid is eligible? You know, and, and I know there are other cases going on. There's a punter at Ohio State right now who's being held up uh, by the NCAA, who's a transfer from USC, you know, by the way. So I I just feel like as we sit around and we wait on the NCAA to come up with ideas and to come up with a ruling on Rue McCoy, I think we're really wasting time. And and I think that they really need to get it together because, you know, these young athletes, man, they just want to play and uh, having them over a barrel and kind of waiting until the last minute, it's just not right Trey Wallace, Outkick.com, our guest. What read do you have, Trey, on the improvement level of the Tennessee defense in Knoxville as we go into the season a week from today? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're going to see, Jonathan, is you're going to see a little bit more depth at linebacker. I mean, it helps that Juwan Mitchell is back. Uh, it looks like he's healthy uh, from what I've seen out of him talking with folks to go alongside Jeremy Bates. So I think you have – a formidable linebacking crew, and you got a little bit of depth there. You've got an Aaron Beasley, you got a Solomon Page, you got a, a, you know a Heron kid that can play. I mean, you know, it's going to take him a little bit of time. But I think that you know the biggest thing that stands out to me, guys. We we know that that Tennessee is going to be pretty decent coming off the edges with Tyler Barrett and Byron Young, but the interior of the defensive line has been a problem for the Volunteers over the last number of years, and it's all about building up enough depth. But also having that guy that I call it something different that I can't say on the air, but a monster that comes off the bus and you know you can rely on this guy on a third and three to make a play, make a stop on the backfield. And right now I, I think they're still searching for that person. And you know, they, they have guys, they've got some depth. You know, I think they can run a, at least a formidable two deep. Um but that's one thing that worries me about the defense is, you know, how are you going to rotate these guys? Because you all know this. Josh Heupel's not slowing down for Tim Banks. He's going to look over at Tim Banks. If they score on one play, he's going to look over at Banks and be like, okay, sorry, man. Go, go do your work. Can't help you. Um, and, and that's just how it is because Tennessee's going to have to score a lot of points this season to beat some teams. And, you know, the biggest part about it is how does Tim Banks and how does Rodney Garner – and Willie Martinez, the secondary coach, kind of handled that, Jonathan. That's going to be key for me. Do we think that uh, Stephen F. Austin is actually uh, spying on Jacksonville State and Rich Rodriguez, or do we think that he is uh, conveniently making up 
uh, a storyline here to get some L- Let me add to this question a little bit because I want to talk to you about this also. Rich Rodriguez yeah. complaining about a coach coming to their wide open spring game <laughs> is ridiculous. Any fan could walk in for free and watch a spring game. In the SEC, you can see all of them on TV. It's against the code, Chad. So he said, though, well, that's a little <laughs> bit over the top. But making the statement, there's a big difference between, hey, they, we were told they had coaches at our spring game, totally fair, and I applaud Stephen F. Austin for doing what it takes to win. Completely different allegation when you say, our 6'7", 350-pound strength coach had to run off a few coaches who were filming our, our recent practice without any real evidence. What do you make of this story, Trey, that you wrote at OutKick.com? I think it, first off, I think it's stupid because, you know, it, it, let's, just, let's just say you're a Kentucky coach and you wanted to go see what Florida was doing. Okay, well, you know what? You send down there, you know, a few interns. You don't wear any Kentucky gear. And you just show up in the stadium along with the 50 other thousand fans that are there. And you take a few notes. Like, like, what are we talking about here? Like, what? Rich Rod making that claim. Now, look, do I believe it? Yeah, kind of. He's probably gotten word from a few people around the conference. And, yeah, they sent somebody there. Um, but how many people are showing up for a Jacksonville State spring game? Like, that's the big thing to me. So, I mean, is it easy to point out? I don't know. Um, and then he was talking about – how they caught somebody filming at their practice recently. And, you know, it's like, okay, how much are we, well, this person, does this person have like a handheld camera? Are we talking about a cell phone? Like, what are we talking about here? And then he's sending a street coach after him. A lot of it has to do, you know, that's how Rich Rodriguez is. I think everybody remembers him at the bigger schools. He always had a loud mouth. Uh, he was always going to say things that were pretty darn interesting. Um, and to me, the fact that they're playing on the four-letter network on Saturday at 2 o'clock um, and trying to maybe drum up some hype for this game, maybe that's why you do it. I really have no idea. Uh, but he decided to make it public. And um, I'm curious to see what Stephen F. Austin does, Chad. You know, we, we've talked so much about the pitfalls of NIL and potential problems and everything else that we don't spend enough time talking about the really cool things surrounding some of these elements. You wrote about it, Trey, at OutKick with Will Rogers at Mississippi State working with Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, with, with NIL. Uh, tell us more about this, and I think this is one of those stories that deserves to be highlighted. This is it. Like, to me, like, this is, and, I, and I'm all for players making money, okay, off their NIL. But when I see a player making money, but also giving back to the community, it makes it much better. Uh, Will Rogers has worked with the Make a Wish Foundation in Mississippi for a number of years um, during his time there. He's done it quietly, by the way. Now it's kind of more out in the light because he's gotten an NIL deal with a company that, they're going to – every time Will Rogers throws a touchdown pass, they're going to donate $1,000 to the Make-A-Wish program in Mississippi. And this is – we're talking about a kid who threw 36 touchdown passes last season, probably has a chance to get over 40 this year, you know, for, for being honest. And I think that highlighting some of these, but also these players giving back and, – and, and look – 
I don't mean you know, we don't mean to single out Will Rogers, but it's something that he did. He's something that he did publicly. I know a lot of players around the country are doing this and trying to help out with the communities and whatnot. But I think that it just goes to show you that it's not all about what they can put in their pocket. It's about you know being involved in the community. I think is big because because here's the other thing too. If you're going, if you want NIL deals, okay, and if you want to make money off, you know, your image and your likeness, you've got to be involved in the community that you're in. If you're not a Jordan Addison who can go sign a deal with United Airlines out at USC, you've got to be involved with what you're doing in either the state that you're in or the city or surrounding counties that you're in. And, and I think. You know, what Real Rogers has done is, is pretty fantastic. I look forward to watching them play this season. Uh, you can go back and read that article at outkick.com. And, you know, for, for what they're trying to do and the money that they're raising. And the fact that he has done – the biggest thing that stands out to me is the fact that he has done so much work for Make-A-Wish Foundation, and we didn't know about it until all of this came out. So I, I think that's a big deal. Hopefully, again, he throws a bunch of passes, and, and good for him for, for getting out of the community and, and giving back to a good cause. Trey, final minute here. Do you have faith in Vanderbilt traveling to Hawaii and winning? I, I do. I was talking to our boy Jeff, you know, who's our, our new betting guy, yep. kid, and he's giving me some lines on this thing. I'll be honest with you, there's some parlays out there that I would really love to throw Hawaii in on and, uh, and maybe make some money off this, but that line was weird. It jumped from like, Minus two and a half for Vanderbilt, all the way down to an eight and a half point favorite. Um, I think, look, Vanderbilt should win the football game. Okay. Vanderbilt should be the bigger, better team. Hawaii had a lot of turnover in the offseason, a lot. Go back and look it up. It's, it's a lot of players. But you just never know with Vanderbilt. Like they've lost to teams like ETSU, they've lost to teams like Temple. So would it surprise me if they went over to Hawaii and got beat? No. Um, but we'll have to see what happens Saturday night at uh, 1030 Eastern time. The lone common opponent for Hawaii and Vanderbilt, re- reading through some things this morning, a year ago was Colorado State. Hawaii beat Colorado mm. State by five. Vandy beat Colorado State by three. Now, they're oh, new teams sure. this year, on, man. but oh. that, that was the difference. Two points in Hawaii's favor if you're going common opponent from a year ago, and that was the one common opponent. And that was a miserable okay. Colorado State team. You got me. I'm going on DraftKings right now, and I'm just going to have to put some money on Hawaii. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm actually with you, Trey. I think that I think Vandy handles business in this one in a close yeah. game, but I think they win. Trey, thank yeah, you as always, too. and uh, enjoy the football this weekend. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah, Trey will be with us in Knoxville a week from today for the Tennessee Can't Ball wait. State kickoff. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up, we discuss Jimmy G and the future in San Francisco where you know, now Shanahan's saying there is a, a way they could keep him on the roster. We'll discuss the, the guaranteed money that will be locked in when and a Hall of Fame quarterback who has Jimmy G's back. That's next on Outkick360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Outkick 360 continues. Jimmy G in San Francisco. Brett Favre says they're making a mistake if they let him go, if they trade him, um, and by moving on at this moment, he thinks they should keep Garoppolo around. His $24.2 million base salary becomes guaranteed, Paul, I believe, a day before week one. So September 10th. yeah, because you can't, you can't cut him after that. So, I mean, the idea of it is if you're on the roster on opening day as a vested veteran, it, it locks in. And he hasn't been, you know, participating uh, majority of the offseason due to a shoulder issue. But now it's because they, they've agreed they're parting ways. It's just a matter of time and when. And I think most teams are thinking, if they're even interested, they're thinking, well, you're going to cut him before the, before the salary becomes guaranteed. So I'll just wait until you cut him. So that's probably what this is. that Them leave, putting an idea out there that there's a scenario where they wouldn't cut him is to get you to uh, not wait for him to be cut. At this point, if you're Garoppolo, why don't you ask to be released? Well, because, because they're going to the have money. to. And they're going well, to cut to, him anyway. They're going to have to release him in a matter of days anyway. Yeah, but I mean, if I'm Garoppolo, I'd rather have an opportunity to negotiate rather than be traded. That's number one. And number two, if you're not traded, he knows he's going to he's we I think we assume the 49ers are cutting him before that contract locks in. I, I, mean, I, think, hoping... I think you're looking at a matter of day. It's he's not going to do that because he knows what's happening. They're trying to get something for him up into the last minute. Then they're going to release him anyways. So he'll have his pick of whoever wants to sign him at that point. Is there going to be is there going to be a big difference if he's released now as opposed to right up against that deadline well, in terms of teams viable? As of right for him? now, I mean the season kicks off three weeks from today. Yeah. So I'd rather, if I'm a quarterback, get a playbook and actually learn some things if I have an opportunity to play as a backup situation in Week One. I, I just think don't cuts know are why next you, Tuesday already. From a 49er standpoint, you, I mean you're just being a super nice guy by doing that. I, I don't know why they would do that, and not just wait to see if there's any last-minute offer for as long as they can. Next Tuesday? Down to 80. Uh, down to 53, August 30th. So that's just next Tuesday. Tuesday. So clock's ticking. I mean, if I'm him, what I'm trying to do is to get them to give my agent permission to talk to teams and negotiate my deal down. Yes. Um, You know, but the odds of that, you know, that there has to be a team that really wants me. And there's no indication that there's a team that really wants him. The injury that you were waiting for hasn't happened. And so odds are you're SOL here, and you're going to wind up on, on the market. The, the Niners stirring up the idea that they could keep him as a last-ditch effort to try to get somebody to make a move. But if you are going to make a move, you got to get that salary down. It's to, also – I would think it would be extremely difficult to trade him with the other team not, see, like, seeing him for a physical and going, well, going through the motions there before the season gets here. You get a physical as part of the trade. I know, but I would, pass the if I'm a team that's interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, I want to determine whether or not – he, he is, you know, ready to go. I don't want to have to make that determination 
the week of the regular season. I'd rather do that now. Here's the other question. Yeah. Is, and, there, and is there a no-brainer team for him? for him? Well, I mean, we all say Seattle, uh, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is see, a tougher I, I place for him to I go because it's Seattle. a division. I don't say Seattle because – Because you want Seattle to lose and get their Of course. Seattle wants to lose. That's why they're, they're acting – Pete Carroll saying today, you know, guys, they say if you don't have, if you got two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. Well, I feel like we have two number ones here. Give me a break. You have two number twos. He's talking like yeah. he might play both. You're deciding between two backup level quarterbacks as to who should be the starter. Um, they don't care to win this year. So, again, I'll ask the question who makes sense? Who is a viable playoff, edge the playoff contending team? that Jimmy G would be an upgrade for at quarterback. Do you like him better than Brissett is, is one question. We've had that conversation. I like him slightly better than Brissett. Um, but, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't had time with the playbook and, and all of that. Not at $24.2 million, um, you know, when they're still paying a, a decent amount for the quarterback they're going to face on opening day. Uh, it, it, Baker Mayfield playing for Carolina. So they're playing two quarterbacks who aren't going to pay for them. Uh, play for them on opening day. Um, so, you know, how many quarterbacks can you pay? Um, so, yeah, there, there's not a big market for him. You know, he'd be a these great starters, backup. These starters keep playing in the preseason. Something's going to happen. There's yeah, going to be an injury. That's the one is. Well, that's what San Francisco and no, Garoppolo are rooting for. The no weekend. doubt landing spot for them is the team that's borderline playoff contention that loses their start well, to injury early in the year. That nearly was the New York Jets. Um, because the staff there has a history with Garoppolo. And, and the system. whenever uh, Wilson went down, at first it looked really bad. Whenever he's limping off the field, it looked like an ACL. Turns out it wasn't. Turns out his surgery went okay, and they hope he's available around week one. But like that could have been much worse than what it ended up being. And then that could be a landing spot for him. But right now there's not an obvious an obvious team that is in need of Jimmy G. And that's where it was. it's different from, let's say, Baker Mayfield. We, we were always asking the question, why is there not a quicker market for him? Uh, for Carolina, you know, it was a no-brainer throughout. He, sh- he should be in Carolina. I can't look up and see right now the situation that's perfect for Jimmy Garoppolo and the team he'd be going to. There's not the obvious decision now out there for him and the team. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, headlines including Mike Martz, who was with the Bears whenever Cutler was traded there. He has some comments about the current Bears offense that he sees on the field. Also, a big injury for the Dallas Cowboys at left tackle. We'll discuss their options now with Smith going down. More coming on Outkick360. Hang with us.